Ignorance is the official language of Washington, D.C. I'm here to challenge you to a match. When it comes to standing up for the American people, I am ready to rumble. I think that we may need a wrestler in the White House. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Great American Bash. My name is Brandon Weatherby. My name is Chris Kelly. It is Wednesday, 8.06 p.m. on the East Coast. Uh, I'm in Washington, D.C. Chris, you are in Washington, D.C., but we are not together uh, due to a global pandemic. So uh, we're using technology to conduct this podcast about the intersections of presidential politics and professional wrestling. We've been doing this show for nearly four years, and I'd say that for the first time in nearly four years, this show feels extremely relevant. Yes. So we wrote a book about it called uh, The Donald, How Trump Turned Presidential Politics into Pro Wrestling. Um, and sometimes when, when doing that book or doing, that, doing this podcast for the last few years, you know, we, we are connecting metaphorical dots. You know, something that Trump says is like something that happens in wrestling. But, uh, you know, we're right now lucky or unlucky, depending on your perspective, that the stuff that's happening politically in the last week and last week of wrestling has been intertwined. In, in a way that I think a lot of people uh, who are still coming around to this topic and this idea that uh, Donald Trump used a wrestling persona and wrestling thinking to become president, uh, people who are still coming around to it, kind of looking at stuff this week going, oh, did you know this? And it's like, yes, we wrote a book on it. <laughs> um, so definitely wanted to you know just look at the last, I'd say since about April 9th. Um, sure, and we'll, and we'll go through the timeline. Yeah. But we do three types of shows here on this show, on this podcast. Uh, first is mostly wrestling based, and for the wrestling based ones, it's really they're really fun. I'd say that those are the most fun of the three, um, and that's when uh, we find the comparisons to politics in the wrestling wing, like our WrestleMania recaps. That's what those are mostly. And then occasionally, there's the super sad, super depressing uh, politics as wrestling, and, and and those are like I said, super sad and. Um, the dark side of the ring, you might say. And then there are these weeks, these few, few weeks where it feels like professional wrestling is like one step ahead of, profe- of presidential politics and they intertwine in a way that cannot be denied. So for the first time in a very long time, let's just go through the timeline. So why don't you sure. kick it off? Yes. Yeah, so looking back, and this is something we didn't really see at the time, but um, you know, it became clear what had happened. So on uh, April 9th, America First Action pack uh which is a super pack which not to be confused with pack who wrestles in aw um that's the only trump basically trump sanctioned super pack uh in the 2020 election um and it is being chaired by linda mcmahon uh linda mcmahon is the wife of the ceo and chairman of the wwe vince mcmahon um has a long relationship with Donald, you can read about it in our book or in uh you know newspapers um <laughs> she was recently had left the uh, the office of the small business administrator in the Trump's cabinet to to head off head up this uh, the super PAC in advance of the election. So they announced um, the the PAC announced about twenty something million dollars of ad spend that they'll be doing this fall for the election. Eighteen point five million, the bulk of it would be spent in Florida. Seven point two million in Tampa market. Eleven point three million in the Orlando market. Um, so it's very important because that that type of TV usually TV ad buys for that type of stuff. Uh, having worked in this field before and knowing people who still do, a lot of that's going to be local TV, local news uh, and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So that's, that's really getting down to like those ad buys are going to the community and that's, that's going to be some stimulus come Labor Day. 
um, later on April 9th, uh, towards the end of the day, WWE uh, was deemed essential by uh, a Florida state order. Um, Florida, like most places, on is on shutdown, uh, but there was a carve out Pat, you know, signed into law late in the day, quote, you know, employees at a professional sports and media production with a national audience, including any athletes, entertainers, production team, executive team, media team. If the location is closed to the general public, they'd be essential. So, so WWE is now essential, but this might seem like the governor did this just for WWE. No, Florida wants all of the sports. They want to be the home of uh, no crowd sports because everyone wants that. If you've watched ESPN at all in the last month, people are desperate. So the idea of empty arena basketball games or baseball games is been has been floated. So if Florida could get that business they wanted, Vince just happens to be reaping the rewards of this. Sure, and and the way the carve out is, I mean, everyone's basically writing the headlines, and as WWE is deemed essential, and that's true. But also AW because it is a na- a national uh, a national audience. They until recently had been taping uh, their empty arena shows in Jacksonville before moving to the suburbs in, in Georgia. So yeah, anything with a national audience. So it's not a particular car about explicitly WWE, but yes, they are the ones that, that reap the rewards on this. The next so, day is yeah. my saddest day because I legitimately joined the XFL. The XFL stopped operations. I know XFL 2.0 uh, came crashing down like the XFL blimp. Uh, they, hold they, on, hold on, stop. I think most people don't realize what you're talking about. For more information about the crash of the XFL blimp, read our book, which we documented. I think we're the only book ever to carve out a special spot for the crash of the XFL blimp. Yeah, that's a, it's a shame uh, <laughs> that we, are, we have that distinction. But yes, the XFL uh, had already paused games. They had already stopped their games, like every other major sports and entertainment league. Uh, this was basically a sign that XFL was not coming back at any point this year and would not be coming, probably not be coming back next year. That was made official a few days later, April 13th. The XFL, that was uh, time, time is both a flat circle and seems like it's not moving at all. That was Monday. <laughs> it is now Wednesday. The XFL filed for bankruptcy. So uh, I'm sure another sad day in the Weatherby household. On Monday, the XFL filed for bankruptcy. And the thing that was so depressing about this was the revelations that everything you thought was true is true, that McMahon actually had a bunch of stock in the XFL. We all knew that, but so did WWE. Sure. So they had made it, what the the understanding from uh, the XFL over this two-year process, because if we remember, they, they launched this, you know, with plans to launch in 2020 a couple of years ago, um, was that Vince McMahon had sold nearly $300 million of his WWE stock to fund the league, um, still remaining as chair and CEO with a most voting stock. But he cashed out enough of his billion-dollar business, uh, since he actually has a billion-dollar business, to do that. Um, but making it clear that, no, this would be alpha entertainment. It's a totally different thing. Uh, I have no fi- – you know, the WWE has no financial tie to it. Un- of course, that was false because uh, wrestling is uh, is fake. It's predetermined and, pre- and scripted. Uh, and Vince was lying because he's a carny. Uh, WWE owned 23.5% of the XFL's Class B stock. And Van owned the remainder of it. Um, you know, and, and this is, at this point, just a few days into all this stuff, the, the thing that was coming to mind for me where the connection was still a metaphorical connection was the way that uh, the president, the WWE Hall of Famer, Donald Trump, uh, talks about hydrochloroquine. Yeah. I can't, I'm not going to be able to pronounce it properly, but basically the malaria treatment uh, that 
that Trump has been touting um, that he probably has financial ties to, uh, as investigated by, by, I believe, the New York Times. Um, and so this was, you know, one of these connections we've we covered. The whole premise of the book is how close Vince and, and Donald are, and they think alike. And of course, they would both claim to not have any financial stake in something while definitely having a financial stake in something. Now, this usually does work out for Vince. This is exactly how he d- bought out the territories. But things are a little bit different now because of a global pandemic. Yes. Um, so, you know, and, and in this case, XFL is going to take a hit. They're going to file for bankruptcy. I mean, Donald Trump has used bankruptcy many times, covered not just by us, but all the media, uh, to kind of shield to shield himself from losses of, of bad business ideas. Um, later on the 13th, uh, we had another kind of metaphor con- connection where Donald Trump at his, his press briefing uh, said that when someone's the president, the authority is total. Now, and here, for any wrestling really fan, quick, yes, let's run through this really yes. quick. The authority was uh, Triple H, Stephanie McMahon. I think also Vince was part of the authority at one point. What well, doesn't matter? Yeah, yeah. They were the, the they were the guiding principles, the guiding forces of WWE programming in like 2013 to the end of 2014. Here's a little bit of that. The things we did for all of you, while seemingly cruel and sadistic, are what it takes to make the WWE thrive. That while the authorities' existence, while seemingly grotesque and incomprehensible to you, are what it takes to make this place continue to be the juggernaut that it is. And who, who, is going to make those decisions now, huh? Without the authority, there is no John Cena. There is no Dolph Ziggler. There is no Ryback. And guess what? Without the authority, there is no you. And here's a little bit of what President Donald Trump said on Monday, the night Raw airs on USA Network. When somebody's the president of the United States, the authority is total. And that's the way it's got to be. Okay, so that was a big deal. Yeah. yeah, so the authority, you know, it's a heel stable, but it is in the, the stuff we love in wrestling. It was Triple H and Steph McMahon uh, playing the characters of Triple H and Steph McMahon as the evil bosses. But in real life, they are also the bosses, evil or not, depending on your on your perspective. But yes, they they ran roughshod over the uh, the storylines and over babyface characters for three years, uh, and the authority was total. That was the main storyline. It ran through Randy Orton, through stuff, through Seth Rollins, um, the Shield. Every storyline went through it, and that's that's basically the way. You know, obviously we have uh, three branches of government, uh, but everything goes through the. Well, we the are recording this on Wednesday night, and based on the uh, presser from two hours ago, we kind of only have two branches of government but that's neither here nor there and and it won't matter the next day because on the next day april 14th we're going to go back to april 13th a second on the next day april 14th uh trump walked back that comment yes he did walk back that because you know even though if it's if it's scripted and predetermined sometimes you have to break kayfabe a little um also on the on the 14th um President Trump, it was it came out that he the as part of a large group that would help advise him on how to restart the economy, uh, were the heads of your major leagues: Adam Silver, Rob Menfred, uh, Roger Goodell, um, also some owners: Robert Kraft, Jerry Jones, 
and then Dana White of the UFC, and of course, Vince McMahon of the WWE. Hell yeah. Um, so now it's starting to come together. We Now at this point, you can look back and go, okay, wait a minute. Why was WWE deemed essential to open? Why? How did they get that carve out? And then you start finding the America First action. you know. And this is where we, we look like conspiracy theorists, but this it's not. It's not a conspiracy because those are done in secret. This was done. Uh, <laughs> also, we're not, trying we're, to, make- we're not trying to prove anything to anyone that like X is good and Y is bad. No, the, these are sure. we're just pointing out. There's no strings attached here, ladies and gentlemen. This is just... The, all I'm saying is the cream rises to the top, and what's going on right now is the cream is rising to the top. Yes. Uh, so a, a up and down few days. Vince McMahon is now get it like President Trump, getting the legitimacy that he's sought desperately for his whole career. He's now part of the group that's telling him, "Yeah, start up the economy. Let's get this going. Um, let's do live shows in arenas, even if some of our employees have had." Uh, COVID-19. Really quick, really quick aside, Linda McMahon was literally head of the Small Business Administration. We've already talked about this, but the Mm -hmm. Small Business Administration has never been more important than right now. This could be the type Mm -hmm. of job where if you execute it well, there will be statues of you. Linda McMahon no longer has that position. While she was the head of the SBA, really zero complaints, no giant uh, scandals in any way whatsoever. The fact that Linda McMahon, out of anyone in the cabinet, like sailed through without even being newsworthy is so fascinating to me. Yeah, especially in an administration that had about a dozen uh, cabinet scandals that have now all been forgotten, even before coronavirus. Oh, sure, I, sure, I think sure, it would sure. be fair to say that anything that any cabinet member done had already been forgotten. But yes, the fact that Lumen Man was the cleanest one, considering uh, not having particularly clean hands in, in other legal things over the years, you can read about that in our book, or even uh, Vince McMahon. Uh, also on to backtrack a little on, uh, well, actually, also on the 14th, that's yesterday. It's, once again, time's flying. <laughs> uh, the Dark of the Ring, which you alluded to, a series on Viceland, aired an episode about uh, the murder of Nancy Argento by Jimmy Superfly Snuka, a WWE wrestler, WWF wrestler in the 80s. Um, and Vince McMahon's actions in that, uh, which basically was a cover up of murder. Yeah. So that's also in the air. That's in the that's in the wrestle uh, Twitter sphere, and the conversation is, "Hey, did Vince cover up murder? Uh, what's the statute of limitations on murder? I can't remember." So today, <laughs> April fifteenth, tax day. Uh, early today, WWE puts out a corporate statement um, because they are an actual billion dollar business. They are. You can. Uh, buy stock in them as I believe you you do have stock in them I bought stock um, the day our book came out trying to figure out what was going to be more valuable and for a long time it was that stock and now not so much well we'll see after this um, <laughs> due to COVID-19 and current government mandated impacts I just want to say you can't blame government mandated impacts if you have been if you were no longer, those no longer apply to you. Chris, but you were clearly not watching the daily briefings by WWE Hall of Famer Donald Trump because, yes, you can. Okay, that's fair. Uh, so among those things, they reduced executive compensation, decreased operating expenses, cut talent expenses and staffing, and deferred spend on the build-out of, of their new headquarters. Um, all this would result in a estimated monthly savings of $4 million. Um, and... Which is which can be a lot of money um, when they're when they're doing decreasing the headcount, mm-hmm. but it is important to note that the available cash and debt capacity, which currently total approximately, and this is in their phrasing, zero point five billion dollars, 
So when you put 0.5 billion, <laughs> that looks like a small amount of billions, uh, but it's actually $500 million, uh, making that 4 million a month, uh, you know, about a, a factor of 125 less, uh, not so significant. So that's some great accounting that I really like that they did. And we will know more about this and potentially by the tw- um, on the April 23rd, the, their full first quarter report, see how that stuff is shaken out, see how the XFL stuff is finally actually reported, see what the results of the – what's going on with Saudi Arabia. So uh, really so quick, Chris is not mentioning yeah. the biggest uh, United States gate for the WWE, which is WrestleMania, which just concluded, which we both – I'd say very much enjoyed and in a surprising manner, but this was uh, the yeah. first WrestleMania ever that lost money because there were no, there's no gate. There's no gate. There's no, yeah. Uh, they gave it away for free on the internet. Uh, they also tried to sell it as a pay-per-view, which I, I'd be curious to see how many people actually ponied up for that. But yeah, the, the Saudi thing too, they have done and We, we didn't really touch on that in this timeline, but that's something to see on the 23rd. Uh, there's, I actually saw a, you know, like a shareholders rights law firm that's going after them because it sounds like the Saudi deal might not actually ha- happen anymore. Not just because they can't go there, but because uh, they had a, had disagreements. And so that money might not be coming either. So anyway, the, the big picture is that WWE is saying, don't worry, we have $0.5 billion in the bank, money in the bank <laughs> on May 10th. And we're cut, we're going to cut stuff. Did not know that that would happen so soon. So earlier today, WWE starts um, updating one blog post on their website uh, where they start giving people the future endeavors. So why don't you tell people about how future endeavors work? So future endeavored means uh, the WWE says, uh, get the fuck out of here, but we're going to be nice about it publicly. So whenever somebody gets fired from the WWE, they go, we wish you the best in your future endeavors, unless there's something criminal attached. So therefore, today, Kurt Angle was wished the best on his future endeavors. When Enzo Amore was future endeavored, he was not wished the best on his future endeavors. He was just let go. And his endeavors, his future endeavors were not the the best or, or good. They were pretty <laughs> soft. But this list kept growing. Basically, as they called people and told them uh, in the shared vernacular of the president and the CEO of WWE, you're fired, they kept updating this document. So it was a bizarre thing to watch, kind of with a, a morbid curiosity. Who's getting fired next? What's the order here? There's, you know, there'd be kind of bizarre moments where it includes Primo, and then um, five minutes later, it includes Epico, his tag partner, suggesting they got separate calls and <laughs> they were they were released in moments apart. Um, there's a famous incident from when, when they did one of these bloodbaths a few years ago. A wrestler, JTG, who was in a tag team called Crime Time, that's in the book, I believe. Uh, not a, not a bright spot on the WWE's history with race relations, but JTD JTG tweeted damn, why did I answer my phone? Um, because JTG had basically been on the roster for a few years, not doing anything except going to catering and cashing his paycheck. And he answered <laughs> his phone and he was fired. Um, and so there's a lot of people saying, damn, why did I answer my phone today? Um, the ones you mentioned, you know, you mentioned Kurt Angle, not an active wrestler, but one of their, one of their guys would be curious if he's still getting a legends contract to prevent him from, uh, doing painkillers and then jumping off of cages. So what Chris um, is referring to is a Legends contract is the WWE says you're part of our family, but this is not an in-ring contract. An in-ring contract means you're part of our family and you're at risk. Goldberg, for example, is on a Legends contract and an in-ring contract. 
Right. And the Legends contract are to prevent the thing that used to happen um, in the 2000s and earlier in the de- in the, the 2010s um, when wrestlers would die all the time. Um, and that's their, <laughs> I didn't their mean to laugh, to but I compl- speaking of death, uh, the the I'd say the two, the number two and the number three biggest names that were cut today, uh, Gallows and Anderson. Gallows and Anderson were part of the Undertaker's Boneyard match. So in both yeah. kayfabe and shoot, are they dead? Yes, they died in okay, that, cool. uh, in kayfabe, uh, in, as a shoot, they have a podcast called Talking Shop, which will definitely be much better now that they're no longer under the purview of the WWE. But yes, the as the the, the list grew through the day, the, the notable ones, uh, your Carl Anderson, Luke Gallows, um, Zack Ryder, Kurt Hawkins, a couple guys who've been there for a long time, Zack Ryder, you know, kind of a, a long-time fan, fan favorite who, who's really been buried for a long time, Heath Slater. Rowan, Sarah Logan, No Way Jose, uh, Maria and Mike Kanellis, who pulled off a great stunt where they never really worked, but Mike Kanellis definitely got them to pay him money so he wouldn't go anywhere else. And he used their health care to, to go to rehab, which is great. They had two kids. They had health care. Um, Leo Rush, EC3, some kind of interesting characters. And then the big one uh, is Rusev. Uh, who has been basically sitting on the couch kind of waiting for this. You know, even before this this bloodbath, uh, the Revival, a tag team, they they were able to get their release mm-hmm. as well. Um, but the thing about this is usually it's, and then we've seen for the last, last year, they're very careful about releasing people because there actually is competition now. There is AEW. There is New Japan. There are places that these wrestlers can go. And, and WWE, the reason they have th- about 300 people on roster is they're preventing them from working anywhere else, making money anywhere else. And they had, when you have $0.5 billion, you can just pay people to do nothing. Um, but now that they're doing this, not because it's a pandemic, these people actually might not have places to go. Um, you know, I think some of them will be fine because, you know, AEW has not fired anybody. They haven't hired anybody during all this, but wouldn't be surprised to see Rusev show up there. Wouldn't be surprised to see Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows go back to japan at some point when japan opens its borders yeah um really quick people let's yeah. go back to like the fun wrestling angle really quick because this has been a very sure. serious business heavy oh yeah podcast but uh i'm kind of surprised that they let go of rusev but lana is still on the payroll uh for those that don't know lana you might recognize from her uh like 10th supporting role in Pitch Perfect 1, 2, and 3. Uh, she was also on Total Divas with her IRL husband, Rusev, uh, and storylined uh, Rusev and her divorced, and she married Bob, and that's about to end. It doesn't matter. The point is this. His wife is still on payroll for the WWE. Yeah, I mean, but that we, you know, if you flip on AEW that's, that's airing right now, you can also see that that's happened before. We have... Uh, AEW's champion John Moxley, formerly Dean Ambrose, is married to uh, an announcer. On and WWE. I completely, and that's where I'm going with this because the same yeah. season that Renee Young was on Total Divas was also the same season as Rusev and Lana. Therefore, I would not be shocked if by the end of 2020, more of more than half of the males that were part of Total Divas, that specific cast, are in the company of AEW rather than WWE. Yeah, and that's it's it's strange to see them let a lot of these people go. You know, this is it. This is you know sometimes when these people get future endeavors, especially the last few years, it's been a welcome thing. Uh, it was it's people generally who have not been used properly. 
Cody Rhodes. He got his future endeavors a few years ago. He's now, you know, one of the key factors behind AEW. Uh, Dean Ambrose, like I said, now John Moxley, the the champion over there. It's people who were happy to get out. Luke Harper just recently debuted right before all this kind of went down as as Brody Lee in AEW in a major role. Um, but now when you do this on April fifteenth in the in the midst of a global pandemic where you you've just fired a, a bunch of people, you were just six days ago said you're an essential business some of these people who got fired worked on monday on the 13th they had to uh kind of risk possibly risk their lives more so than normal for with wrestling even though it is fake people do die in the ring no way jose and sarah logan each wrestled about a minute uh and then were probably not knowing them and the people in power did know they would be fired in two days so do it's, you think this is that where the, there, yeah. I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope everyone is safe and no one gets the coronavirus. But sure, if Noe Jose or Sarah Logan get the coronavirus from just period, do you think that they have any rights of a class action lawsuit against WWE? Definitely not. As in okay. contractors, whatever they've signed, there's nothing. Uh, there's nothing that could happen. I, you know, my answer to that question, I retract that. My answer to my question is. No way, Jose. Okay, so there's no way. Yeah. One of my most one of the reasons why I love professional wrestling, the the not the actual in-ring stuff but the stuff surrounding it is you find out these guys are getting like $400,000 a year or something like that. Like Mike Canales is a great example, right? Mm-hmm. But then they're doing these house shows and they're not insured and they're they're not, they're not covered for travel, etc. So like if you deduct all that stuff, it's good. It's still a very good salary, but it's not crazy good. It's not what you think it would be. And I love the fact that no one really talks about unionizing wrestlers anymore. And uh, a topic of conversation that's come up quite a bit in in my household right now is like how if this happened last year, I think it's on. I think it's fair to say like Bernie might be doing a little bit better because it's kind of hard yeah. to, to hate socialism when there's a global pandemic. So, do you think that after all this shit happens, after all these people are released? And there might be more releases for obvious reasons. There might be more future endeavors. Definitely. Will there potentially be a wrestler's union? So when you say that no one has been agitated for the union in the company, it seems that, that is not the case and hasn't been the case in a long time. Uh, there is a, a pretty prominent independent wrestler, David Starr, uh, who is very loud about this. He's been tweeting about it today is that – you know, is pushing for this union. That's why he's been blackballed from a lot of these places. Um, you know, there is, it's, the, you know, you're seeing a lot of these actions in other industries where, where unions, where people have not been doing it because they're putting their lives at risk. I feel like you're more likely to see it at, say, Trader Joe's, where before you were just working a job, you were just stocking shelves, you were a jobber, but you're, you weren't putting your life on the line to go to work. With wrestling, because, there is this inherent, yes, it's fake. They're not really punching each other's head, but the fact you could break your neck or die in the ring at any moment um, is what you've already signed up for. It's they've already kind of given, you know, they're starting at a different position, and not saying they don't deserve it or they shouldn't, but there's a there's a mindset where they've they've undervalued themselves the moment they lace up their boots and sign up as an independent contractor. I mean, look at Zack Ryder who got released today. Probably not a great day for him, but he's been in the company for maybe uh, 15 years, I'd say, from Pillar of Poets. He's, uh, he's about our age. He's mid-30s, um, but he's he's been there for the developmental since 2005. So, yes, 15 years. He's a guy who 
was they you know they saw him as just a guy he got over he was a early guy doing videos online he got a whole chant he was selling merch and they immediately um pushed him off literally pushed him off the stage and had him get cuckolded by john cena <laughs> and he stayed there and he's been there and i'm sure there's been times where they're like hey do you want your release and he was like no I, I like working here this is fun and then they just release him during the pandemic and and it's like that's what you get for working at this company <laughs> that works in Saudi Arabia. It's very tough to also have sympathy for people who do this uh, because this company does things like have $0.5 billion and then cut uh, 20 people at least uh, during a global pandemic. 